The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we continue in this sitting, I'd like to offer a little guided meditation. Where the foundation of the guidance is mindfulness of breathing. But to explorations of different ways of being aware of breathing. How we can be aware is variable, almost as if there's different kinds of awareness. So I'd like to offer you four different approaches. So as you follow this along, think of it as an experiment with how to be aware in different ways. So to begin with more preliminary settling into the breathing, Very gently, you can take a few deeper breaths than normal to familiarize yourself with your breathing, to to establish a connection. you breathe in more deeply in a simple, gentle way. As you breathe in, feel the lifting and stretching of the rib cage, lifting of the shoulders. Any places, feel as you breathe in, any places in your torso where there might be a little resistance or tautness experienced as you breathe in. And as you breathe out, experience whatever sense of release or relaxing or settling back of the torso, the rib cage, the shoulders. As you exhale, see if you can let go of your thoughts so you can better feel your breathing. breathing return to normal and with a normal breath 
doing the same thing, feeling the lifting and expanding of the rib cage and the torso, belly as you breathe in. And feeling the return or the contraction of the rib cage, the belly, shoulders, as they settle on the exhale. And there's a rhythm, hopefully a simple rhythm, gentle rhythm of expanding and contracting, lifting and falling, inhaling and exhaling. For a few moments here, see if you can tune in to that rhythm, to the sense of whether the rhythm is fast or slow for you, deep or shallow, comfortable or uncomfortable. So one way of being aware of breathing is to be aware of it intimately, closely. To be right there in the experience of the sensations of breathing. Analogy might be if you are making bread making a dough of bread, putting the flour and the water together, and then you start kneading it, massaging it with your hands, feeling for the lumps, feeling for where it maybe needs more flour, more water. And your hands are right there in the dough, massaging it, working it, feeling it better. So in the same way, to let your awareness have that kind of direct contact with the physicality of breathing.
motions you as you would massage the dough of bread. So the breathing is massaging, the rhythm of breathing is massaging the body. You want to stay really close and intimate to the physicality, the physical sensations, getting to know them and feeling them. Recognizing the subtlety of sensations coming and going. here you're intimate with your breathing. Then another way of being aware of breathing is not to be intimate and connected right in there, but rather to be observing it from the distance, kind of like you're on a mountaintop or hilltop and you're seeing what's down below. Or you're up in a tower and you're looking down at the people on the streets below coming and going. So there's a sense of detached or distant observation where the breathing just does what it does. We're not involved with it. We're not close and connected. But the observation of it is distinct and it's kind of an overview, oversight from a distance, just letting the breathing be, watching it, not involved with it, letting it come and go, but having a sense of maybe, maybe being like a bird's eye view of breathing.
The third way of being aware of breathing is to have a more panoramic awareness. Awareness is just open, wide, taking in in a relaxed way, whatever comes into the senses. Not particularly or focused on the breathing, not exclusively being with the breath, but open, broad, relaxed, panoramic or a sense of peripheral vision almost like peripheral vision that you're not focused on something but you're taking it in. And and with that kind of broad, panoramic, peripheral sense of vision, allowing breathing to be at the center. Not focusing on breathing exclusively, but using the breathing as a touchstone to the present moment. Aware that experience of breathing is just one thing among others, but you're not particularly focusing on any of it, though you're aware of it with breathing at the center. panoramic awareness. It's often associated with being relaxed in the mind, not trying too much. Letting go of what takes you away from the present. And in letting go, you find yourself here, in a relaxed, open way for a few moments. As opposed to trying to focus Just let go of what gets in the way of simple, broad, relaxed awareness that includes breathing.
And then the fourth way of being aware is being aware like a gatekeeper who sits in a little gatehouse perhaps and is aware of what comes in through the gate and what goes out. So the experience of breathing comes in But you're also aware of what comes out of the mind, what arises in the mind. If there's commentary, feelings about it all, thoughts, judgments. Appreciation. And the gatekeeper just allows things to come, but decides what to get involved in and what not to get involved in, what to let pass through and what not to pass through. Allowing the breathing to come in, but not getting involved with some of the thoughts and ideas and feelings that might arise. keeping the doors of perception open. By tracking what goes on in your mind just enough that you don't get involved in thoughts, feelings. And then finally, see if you can notice where on the spectrum does your awareness fall? The spectrum between one end, doing awareness and the other end of the spectrum, allowing your awareness to be there. Are you engaged in doing awareness? There's a more sense of allowing it and awareness arises 
And as awareness arises, you recognize that it's there. And then to end this sitting, you can take a few long, slow, deep breaths, feeling your body from the inside out. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So welcome to our Dharma practice day and uh, happy to have you all here. And as many of you know, we're this year for these Fridays, we're exploring the Buddha's teachings on meditating on breathing, mindfulness of breathing. He offers 16 steps, uh, or 16 step process for going more deeply into this whole process of meditating on the breathing. And uh, it's a wonderful process, it's a wonderful steps to get a, sen- get a sense of those, these steps and to begin to recognize them as they occur in one's practice. Some people will, you know, will learn the 16 steps and kind of go through it systematically. Some people just find that it's nice to kind of have a general sense of these steps and over time, they're, oh yeah, now I'm there, that's what's happening now. And it's not necessarily a linear process, but it's uh, different things that can arise and pass as we meditate. Um, And um, uh, so we'll continue, you know, and I'll do some review of what we've done so far and we'll continue with this exploration of breathing uh, today. Those of you who are new to this Dharma practice days, they are meant to be days to explore the Dharma uh, in you know, uh, kind of more broader ways of uh, some teachings, some guided meditation. Some years we do a lot of uh, discussion and conversations and uh, sometimes breaking into little groups of exercises we do and 
small group discussions of topics. This year, because of the topic, uh, we're doing less of that, but we might do some of that one in the afternoon or today, uh, perhaps. And, um, and it's meant to be a little bit more of a community day, uh, we're clearly practicing in community. And so at lunch, there's a chance to talk with each other if you'd like. Um, I think for the morning, uh, we'll take a break in a few minutes. It's nice to keep the silence, just to kind of keep some momentum around the meditation and the quiet. Um, um, in terms of, you know, social conversation. But it would be nice to hear from a few of you, uh, what, what happened for you in those, uh, the guided meditation, uh, those four categories of ways of being aware. Uh, was that interesting for you? Or did some of them seem more uh, uh, accessible or recognizable than others? Did it, did it show you, was it interesting to see different options? And what, what came up for you in doing that? Nice to get a sense from different people, a range of what happened. Uh, Terry in her yoga classes often will get us into a pose and say, remember to breathe and enjoy your breath. And the first of the uh, four, uh, sort of along that line, I find uh, I can focus on the breath more if I think of her admonition. Um, because it really, enjoy, if I think about it, if I mean, I, I focus on the filling of my chest and that uh, I actually do feel a little sort of a twinge of enjoyment that uh, I wouldn't have felt if I hadn't uh, actually thought about that. So for you then, that kind of intimacy or closeness with that pleasure uh, is uh, helps you stay connected to the breathing? Yeah. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> Behind you there. So um, the, I really like the, fir- the first one, the really this kind of deep intimacy. Um, I was a little familiar with the awareness one, which, um, the, the, which one? the one that's kind of open awareness. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say that um, my relationship to these forms of breathing depends of my mood. And I feel that um, today I'm, I'm sad and the, the first one, the intimacy, was really nice uh, to kind of understand my sadness. But the last one was really lovely. I had never done that, this idea of being the gatekeeper. And um, I, I felt really a rise of compassion. And so I was really a, a compassionate gatekeeper, mm-hmm. uh, paying attention to, you know, their thoughts that would, I wouldn't want to have right now. And I could just let them go. And um, that was really beautiful. Nice. So one of the things to comment to make is that, yes, we, di- and we have different moods, different situations in our life, different ways the mind is operating different times. And so to know that there are different options for how to be aware is very helpful. 
because if there's only one option, <coughs> then sometimes we're trying to shoehorn ourselves into that option, and it can be kind of <coughs> forced and uncomfortable because it's not really what's called upon. Um, different circumstances, different kinds of awareness is what's called on to really be present in, in, a, in a useful way. So thank you, Sylvie. So <coughs> someone else? Should I interpret the mostly silence by you're all deep samadhi or that, or that uh, it just you know, went right by, you couldn't have, you know, you'd hardly notice because of what I was saying because of the leaf blower or? <laughs> what really struck me um, is, is when you said at, near the end, Gil, uh, to um, listen, listen to the difference between uh, trying for um, for awareness versus allowing for it. Versus, and when you said uh, recognize that it's already there, mm-hmm. that just really hit me, and and as being oh, a whole different perspective, and and very. Um, very useful, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have a sense of where you tend to be on that spectrum? Y- yeah, usually on the um, more open um, awareness of whatever comes up. Uh-huh. So more allowing. And having the breath be in the middle, that, um, uh-huh. uh, but letting the other come in too. But it's... My my mind does come in fairly frequently with, well, am I doing it correctly? And so I think that's why this uh, came as such a a, a lovely change. Mm. The the uh, suggestion that it's already there. Mm, nice, great, thank you. I um, had. I feel like I go more with the intimate part of the breath, um, and would oftentimes feel sort of constricted. And so, when you first said, "There's, we're going to look at four ways of observing your breath," I thought, "How can there be? How can there be anything else?" Um, and so, it was great to find those other ways, um, the two, and then certainly the gatekeeper part. Um, to sort of feel like I could go someplace else because I find as I meditate the kind of the constriction and the intimate part of it will go away initially that's how it feels and then so it was nice to know I could be more of an observer and then um, as it went on that kind of constriction would hopefully not be there uh-huh, nice and um, <clears throat> so you said I guess that you start with more in- intimacy and then it as you relax, maybe it kind of becomes more broader, the awareness, more open? I'd say um, I didn't realize there were other ways to to see it. And so with doing this, I realized, oh, I don't have to always go to sort of the, what's my breath doing right now? I could be in another place Mm -hmm. and observing it. And and then I'm thinking that, we'll see, as the day goes on, if I go to that intimate place, it may not be as constructive. So, so, if I, so also, it sounds like maybe also um, 
and not being so concerned about it. Yes, yes. So still being aware of it, but not concerned. Yes. Which is very helpful. Good. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm curious, I I want to interpret the silence. Anybody want to offer a little bit why you're not saying anything? Are you you contented or fell asleep? asleep? Yeah. Yes, I was going to say that um, the more intimate, really focusing on the breathing, I felt helped me stay awake Mm -hmm. because it is this rainy Mm -hmm. morning Uh is making me very relaxed. And so if I went too far away from my breath, then I could feel myself starting to fall asleep. And then when I went back to actually focusing on it more as a concentration, Uh and that can kind of help with that. Great. So it's good to know that these are different options. and good to know that different options are useful in different circumstances. And uh, and then to be able to kind of flow between different ones. And sometimes different ways of being aware during one sitting even, because things shift and change and... There are times when uh, developing concentration and being really intimate and close is really helpful. And then it sometimes morphs into being more open and spacious and allowing and things just come and arise. And then, uh, and then it can morph again back into a very quiet, uh, settled, um, uh, you could say focused, but uh, it's not exactly an effort to be focused. It's like the, the world gets reduced. The whole universe gets reduced to just the very simple experiences of breathing. And it's kind of like you're concentrated, but you're not trying, you're just you're right there. And just, that's the universe, just breathing in and breathing out. And, and, um, and then that might go away, and then it shifts to something else. So, so the awareness is not a thing. Awareness is, um, you know, it's a sum total probably of a variety of different mental processes that are operating. To some degree, awareness is uh, uh, when we, uh, you know, our tendency to think of awareness as a thing um, becomes a little bit like a optical illusion or mas- mar- massage, or mar- 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 mirage, or something. It's kind of like looking at the, the the drawing of. You look one way, it's a young woman. Look the other way, it's an old woman. And you know, so which is it? You know, and uh, or the two sil- silhouettes of two people, and is it silhouette of two people, or is it a vase? You know, what is it? Um, so the mind can shift and shape, you know, by its concepts, its understanding, its kind of. So awareness is, you know, maybe is shapeless, but uh, but we can kind of we kind of give it shape by how we use it, and what we do with it, and all that. I like to think of awareness as being like water, that water will take the shape of any object it gets poured into. So awareness by itself maybe has no shape, but then uh, we use it in different ways and we pour it into different containers for it to then. So, you know, and, and that's part of the usefulness of it. So part of the skill of using awareness is know how to use it at different times in different ways. And there are other ways, than, you know, than what we talked about today, but those are four that, uh, ways that the Buddha talked about that he gave analogies for. Um, the... The first was, he, he didn't use the idea of, you know, massaging dough here for this, but he talked about um, using mindfulness like a, a surgeon would before, I guess, uh, back in India at least, before, you know, cutting into the body, 
would take a hand and probe and feel what's there and really get a sense of what's going on under the skin. And you take in a lot of information, hopefully, to do it, you know, the surgery wisely. So that you have a really close intimacy. You don't want to sit, you know, have your surgeon sitting in the easy chair, you know, you know, 30 feet away from you and looking at you, you know, I wonder where I should do that cut. <laughs> you know, you want them to really know what's going on there. And then the other is um, <clears throat> that of, um, of uh, being up on a tower, up on a high hill, looking down at the people below and seeing their dramas and their concerns and excitements that goes on and kind of not, you know, observing it but not being part of it, being non-attached, being somehow not uninvolved, and, you know, being a distant observer experience. And that's phenomenally helpful at times. Um, sometimes people have a lot of uh, intense emotions, especially fear or anger. Uh, sometimes um, the only way to uh, be present for it is to uh, uh, step back really far and, uh, and just observe it because it's too much to be in the middle of it. And, and, and often the question is that uh, teachers will ask students is, how far away do you have to be from your fear uh, or you know your anger, so you can be present for it. Can you you know just the other side of the room, across the road, across the valley and the hills over there, you know, or you know, up in Canada, <laughs> and uh, and you know different. And sometimes people will say, oh, you know, at some point you know, get far enough away, well, then they can stay with it, and it's useful to stay. So the third way is that of. Um, uh, it's more a uh, very interesting kind of awareness. It's more the peripheral of awareness, kind of panoramic or open awareness. Um, so um, you know you can you can uh, you know you can focus on something more or less. Look, have your eyes kind of in aiming, aiming towards something, and then be aware of what's around you, kind of peripherally. You don't see it clearly and distinctly, and you know, but you kind of you kind of know. I mean, I can I can look there at that little mic that's on the ground. Um, and see it, but I kind of see there's people in the room. <laughs> I don't know, you know, a good number of people. I don't know how many there are out there, but you know, there's there's people. But um, but that awareness of the people in the room, you know, uh, is not. I'm not trying to see you all particularly. I'm not trying to, you know, let it register in some deep way or take all the information in. And then I would lift up and look around and really look at you. But this pen. It's a kind of a, a the pan, some people this peripheral vision can feel very relaxed, very soft. It's not like it's not a place of a lot of trying. And so sometimes it's really good to establish a sense of peripheral vision or panoramic awareness, um, uh, so that the, any tendency we have to kind of get contracted or tight or forceful with awareness or with mindfulness, we're trying to do it too much, maybe is a little bit lessened. Um, I do this uh, with my walking meditation uh, where I, where I do actually use the visual kind of sense to, uh, I'll just start walking first and kind of have a panoramic or peripheral vision of the walk of, of myself, not really focusing on anything and just letting all the sights that are around me just come to me as if I'm not, as if I'm standing still, even though I'm walking, right? I just pretend. And then uh, just allow the, just everything to come towards me. I'm, I just receive it into this peripheral vision. And when I do that, then it helps me kind of be present in a soft, relaxed, kind of open um, way that then establishes a nice uh, foundation for uh, then uh, doing the walking meditation and bringing my, that soft attention, that open attention 
more specifically into the feet and the lower legs. Uh, and so then I try to keep it kind of open and soft or relax that awareness um, as I stay with the legs. And sometimes because I'm focusing on just the feet or the legs as I walk, there's sometimes a tendency to kind of want to kind of get contracted or want to get tight, you know, like try too, too much to do it. And then when I notice that's happening, then I come back to this panoramic, kind of open, establish that again. And then, so rather than, you know, if, I, if, if I'm going to pay attention to, you know, something like the striker and I'm holding in my right hand, um, and my left hand is my awareness, um, the panoramic awareness would just be like it's open awareness like this, peripheral. And then I might get close to it and close to it, but it's kind of like then we touch this way with the open palm. Whereas uh, more focused awareness might be more like this. You know, the, all the fingers come together to a point and they kind of come in. And, you know, different things are appropriate at different times, but sometimes the more focused one, uh, uh, it's, tight, it's easy to get tense. And so, so, then I, so then I kind of come back again and then come back, just come like this and just be with it like this, as opposed to, you know, poking at it or, you know, attacking it. That pain I'm having, I've got to go do something with that pain, you know. Like I've had the attacking mode of mindfulness. That's not one of the good options, but that's the fifth option, you know. <laughs> you know, especially, like, especially with pain or something, you know, I'm going to, you know, you know, if I just really bore into it with my attention, I'll just get, get you know, blasted to smithereens. Uh, so those, so then there's a the fourth option that Buddha talked about, the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper um, is not involved with what comes and goes, the sights and sounds and what comes in through all the senses, uh, or what comes out, goes out in terms of what we want to say, what we think, what we feel, our impulses, our intentions, our thoughts. It doesn't get involved except uh, to choose what we, what we stay involved in, what is allowed to go through that gate, what allows to come and go. So, thought, so there's a kind of a awareness that sees both in, outside and inside and can track what's going on in the mind well enough to know uh, that oh, I'm, now I'm thinking, now I'm judging, I don't need to do that. Uh, and now I'm having very simple thoughts about uh, is there you know, a better way of being aware right now well, that's a useful thought. So I, I'll, I'll keep that thought and just, you know, and let's, let's, let's experiment a little bit in different ways. Make some sense? So um, your awareness is a really precious, wonderful thing. That's not a thing. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, I say that to help you become fascinated by it. Just curious, and it just shifts, it morphs and changes, and it's different things, it operates different ways. And most people are so interested in what they're thinking about, that they, and what they're aware of, what they're aware of, that they're not really attentive to the awareness itself. It's like a fish which supposedly doesn't know the water it's swimming in. Um, you know, we don't, we don't understand the medium in which we're operating in, and the medium is awareness. And it's a fascinating thing to become aware of. Yes, and um, so the intimate is really all about breathing, and moving beyond that, we're also involved in emotions and thinking. And the breathing mm. is something we're still retaining a focus on, but it's in the context of other things and other awareness. Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, it can be. So let's say a little different. I like to say, I like to agree and not say there's a little bit more than that. That um, um, with the the kind of a uh, from a distance kind of bird's eye view experience of breathing, it can still just be the breathing, nothing else. Just just a bit, but you get a sense that you're you're not you're not entangled or close to it, but you're kind of watching it from distance. So you feel more more uh, unattached and uninvolved, and just letting it be. It's very helpful for some people who are manipulating, controlling the breath a lot, is to not be so closely involved and just kind of back off, back off, but you're still staying on it. And the, pan- the peripheral panoramic vision can, uh, you know, more things can come in to awareness, but the primary thing is, is the breathing. And it's possible that all everything else falls away, drops away, but the sense of panoramic and peripheral sense um, remains just breath. And sometimes with that, it feels like the mind is very big. Big mind, it's called sometimes, or very expansive. Even though you're not really aware of all the things in the room, you're just aware of that, the breathing. Other times, the sense of, um, of uh, this kind of more peripheral or awareness that can take in more things is very helpful and it's actually necessary for this uh, 16 stages uh, of breathing that is given. Uh, because you want to initially, you want to just do the focused awareness, just the breathing, simple, simple, to help you uh, be in the present moment. But as the process goes along, you want to become start becoming aware of your whole body. You want to become aware of the tensions in your body. You want to become aware of the feelings, the sensations, the pleasure, and the sense of uh, well-being that's in the body. You want to become aware of what's going on in your mind. And so there's a kind of a uh, uh, um, multi-tracking going on, a dual tracking. You're aware of more than just the breath. So to have ability to stay on the breath and at the same time uh, have a more peripheral or panoramic vision that can take in more. And it's possible to have both. So like the, the, the focused awareness uh, can exist together with this peripheral vision. And in probably overall meditation works better when the two are in balance. It's not one or the other. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, <clears throat> we'll take a break. A couple of announcements before break is, um, I think it's nice to do it silently so that we can just kind of come back for another meditation. And, um, if you, we have to keep making announcements for a while about the parking around here. And that is especially, uh, please don't park in uh, other uh, people's parking lots, like especially across the street here. Um, they're gonna start towing cars because of the, how many people are, mar- are going over their parks. So if you're parked in any of the you know, business parking lots around here, please uh, move your car. <clears throat> and, um, and otherwise, Anne is in the corner there. <clears throat> She's the manager this morning, so if you have any questions you know, during this break or any time, you can check in with her. And, um, and if you want to talk to me during this break, I'll sit up here for a while and answer any questions you might have. So we'll start again in here in... Um, let's start again in here at... Um, you know, now it's 10.55. And then Anne will ring the bell five minutes before or so. So 10.55 we'll start. Thank you. <coughs> <coughs> 